Hello. Hello. Hello, hello, Don, Don Schaffner. Hello, hello, Professor Chapman. <laughs> How are you today? I'm I'm well. I see we have a special guest. Um, we do. Who appears to have, hold on one second. Um, uh -oh. They appear to have a smorgasbord um, uh, of, of delicious food as their as their uh, Zoom uh, icon. This, this is true. And our, and our special guest, um, because, you know, we're, we're going to play out my my favorite food safety talk bit when I'm not on the side that you're on, Tom, <laughs> which is let's play 20 questions to figure out who our guest is. This uh, particular special guest um, has has this picture for their Zoom profile um, all, all the time. And, and they just asked, should I change the picture? And I said, no, this is perfect. It obscures your face. You cannot see who you are. This is it's awesome. It's perfect. So, Dawn, welcome to Food Safety Talk. Special guest, welcome to Food Safety Talk. Thank you. Um, oh, wait. Oh, so sorry. I so know now that I'm, voice. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking even closer, and I see there's actually a person behind that beautiful platter of food. Yes. Okay, that's hence the obscuring the face. Yes. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I'm Don. We're we're right up in it this today. This is good. This is good. Oh, I stuff. hope we could maybe can we use this as the show art or at least give people uh, this picture that I'm seeing because it's it's a, it's quite a spectacular spread. Well, we'll we'll have to ask our, our special guest if you and once we get into who our special guest is, if that if that's okay. But you know you know how this goes, Don, because you've been on the side that I'm on. So now we get to play twenty questions with our special guest that you get to guess who our special guest is. Right, and I'm, I'm right. <laughs> I'm guessing, uh, since they just spoke, that this is not someone whose voice I would recognize. I think that's that's correct. Um, special guest, would you agree with that? I mean, not... it would be amazing. I like to think that, you know, when I had a podcast that six people listened to, Don was one of them. But I'm going to say no on that. Perfect. Okay. Um, hmm. All right, so that's a clue right there that this person had a podcast. It might be. Isn't it fun to be on the side, Don? <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting. I'm just yeah. trying. I'm weighing my. I'm weighing my my options for how I can uh, how I can proceed. So let me let me ask the the special guest. Uh, have we met in real life? We have not. Okay. Um, have we interacted on the internet? I don't believe so. Okay. Uh, special guest, I, I texted Don last night to confirm that we could record today, mm -hmm. and and I said, I have. Will you be there at you know at the planned time? And he said yes. And I said I have a special treat for us, and um and, and this is it. The special treat is that it makes Don uncomfortable when he has to guess who who our special guest is. <laughs> You're such a is the greatest? Friend. No, it's not. No, I I think you you are much more uncomfortable than I am. This is true. I mean, when awkward. This, the tables I really think I should be the most uncomfortable out of those three. I mean. <laughs> True. This is true. I think I am right. <laughs> so, um, so special guest is your. Do you work in the? Do you get paid to do work in the area of food safety? No. Okay. I mean, you could really stretch it. Stretch it, it, would, right. it, would, it would be stretched to nothingness. Right. I would. Um, I would say. It's going to stretch it. I'm going to stretch it. I think there are certainly times where you have gotten paid to do some work that is related to food safety. 
Sure. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I once I once operated a cotton candy machine. What? Well, okay. <laughs> not a, not a not a high risk food, but okay. Um. All right. So, do hmm. Do you work in academia? I do not. Okay. And Ben, are you keeping track of the questions? Yeah, you you got lots of questions left. Um, okay, don't worry. Um, I don't want to burn them though. What's that? I, yeah. I think we're at six. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to burn them. Um, you should be able to earn more questions. I feel like. Yeah. Like, really great question. Yeah, you get a bonus. I'm I'm fully into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's well, that's on the table now. <laughs> so so if you go, you know, if it's a boring question, <laughs> like special guests and I might take away one of your yeah, questions. Exactly. But if it's something super good, yeah, then you might get maybe two bonus questions. Yep. Did you, special guest? Did you eat any of the food displayed in this smorgasbord uh, icon that I'm looking at? I ate all of that food. Whoa. Very good. That's okay. a good question. Good question. Um, hmm. I feel like, do you need, are, are we at a point oh. on where you need a hint or are you? No, you're, no you're I'm, well, I mean, my, the, yeah, I, it, it's not, it's not very compelling radio uh, for, to sit here and listen to me think. And <laughs> what I'm really trying to do is I'm just really trying to game out my questions um, and I want to use them strategically, but that oh. does not make for good radio as they say. So um, well, while you do that, should we describe for listeners the picture that you're looking at? Because there are hints embedded within it. I think that's sure. a good call. Yeah, sure. yeah, let's go for it. Cool. Okay, so this is a picture of me working. Um, I don't know if you can tell that. Um, seated behind and obscured by a three-level seafood tower. Uh, we don't usually use the word smorgasbord in the part of the country where I work. Uh, so we have <laughs> well. here clams, oysters, shrimp. Looks like there's some seaweed on the tower. Uh, Maybe a selection of mignonettes, uh, lemon wedges. I, I, that's all I see in this picture. Oh, and a glass of rosé next to it. Yeah, I was going to say there's a glass yeah, of rosé yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And you're apparently working. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Now that's that's a that's a good hint. That is a good hint. That's, yeah, yeah. That's solid. Are you are you a food critic? I am indeed. <laughs> Okay, so there. I think that's uh, that's a good <laughs> guess. <laughs> well, with done. a very deliberate hint. Yeah. Well. Well done. Um, are you, so I, I, I mean, so we've established Ben that this is not a person that I've met. Well, so let, let me ask you, Ben, is this a person that I would know if, 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 if you told me their name? I, so no. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think, it, so this is a person, if, if this helps a little bit, Don, this is a person who I know because of where uh, yeah be, well for a couple of reasons but because of where i live and because um be, because this our, our special guest and i have interacted before um as 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 it relates to her job okay i but feel like we might have talked about this person on the podcast i think we may have i think that's no wonder good. i'm so uncomfortable yeah <laughs> So do you, I, don't, I think Don's off the hook. He doesn't need to know I think, No, no. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm Googling now. I'm Googling Ben Ooh. Chapman food Ooh. critic. Oh. oh, well, here we go. Now you're talking. Um, mm. But I'm, I'm not, I'm not finding, um, I'm not finding anything. 
Oh, I'm, I'm finding uh, Ben Chapman, autodidact chef and restaurant tour. Oh, uh, Birmingham a- native Ben Chapman opened his first restaurant. Um, oh. we'll, we'll send this to you, Ben. Uh, that's perfect. We'll, we'll, we'll put this one on for show notes because that is not that is not uh, anything that's helpful. Um, so, oh, so that, that yeah. So, are you ready for me to to dox our our uh, our guest, our special well, guest? I, I don't know. I mean, do you? I mean, is this uh, is this still is this still? Oh wait. Um, hold on, hold on. Um. Give me one second here. Okay. My internet okay. is kind of slow. Oh no, this is this is Ben Chapman, autodidact chef same. and restaurateur. Uh, <laughs> same guy again. Well, that's not helpful. Oh wait, here we know. No. Um. Oh well, no, no. This is just an episode of my food job rocks uh, with you, Ben. Um, so. so I will say, if 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 you wanted to fully research it, uh, you could mm-hmm. Google reverse image search because this is my standard picture since oh. I work as a food critic. Oh, Whoa. that's oh, see now that's a good advice. That's and, good and advice. What I yeah. wanted to say about that is the fact that I can give you research tips is because I also really work as a food journalist in addition. To right. That. Well. Right. Yep. And yeah. And I. I yeah. I, I figured. Uh, I figured that it was something. Yeah. It was. It was something. Yeah. It was. Uh, so, so like a like yeah. Food. Food journalist. All right. So let me. Let me try food journalist Ben Chapman. Yeah, that's not going to be really very helpful, I'm sure either. Um, are you someone? Hmm, are you someone that Ben interacts with on on the internet? Not oh, me. do 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 you, do you tweet? I tweet. Sure. Okay. All right. Hmm. I feel like we may have interacted. It's possible. Yeah. It's definitely possible. Yeah. So, do you do you know Ben because you live in the same part of the country? Correct. Okay. Um, boy, I feel I feel like this is somebody Ben that we have talked about before on the podcast. I, um, I think it's entirely possible. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, cry, Uncle, and say I I did. I mean, with a very deliberate hint that this is me working, um, I did identify the person as a food critic. So I, I think, I think we're, we're, we can, we can be, we can be we done can be, with this game. Yeah, we can be, we can begin yeah. the show now. I think, right? This is it, so. Let Don. Let me introduce to you, um, uh, a, a, you know, a, a friend of mine who I've known from, um, you know, talking about food safety things, uh, Hannah Raskin. Um, Hannah runs the food section, which is a Substack, and formerly. She was um, the food editor and chief critic for the Post and Courier in Charleston. Okay. And yeah, and so so Hannah and I met uh, through I, you know through the internet. And actually, Hannah, just as as a background, my background research to get ready for the show today, I went and found the first time that you emailed me. Amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, and I'm, I'll read it. It was a Thursday, December twentieth, two thousand and eighteen. Um, Hannah writes. Dr. Chapman, I came across your name in Jack Denton's recent story for the Pacific Standard and thought you might be willing to help another reporter. One of our weekly columns is a reader mailbag. And among the questions I want to answer in an upcoming edition involves your field of expertise. A reader asked whether I frequently get sick from eating at so many different places. Seems to me the danger of unwashed hands and foods kept at unsafe temperatures is fairly constant no matter which cuisines you're sampling and that home kitchens aren't necessarily completely safe either. Um, and Hannah wrote, uh, that's my uneducated opinion. So I'd love to get a specialist to weigh in. Uh, and then, and the, the rest is history because we, we spoke on the phone, um, soon after that. And I think you published a couple of articles, one in, in the next year in January about foodborne illness. And then, um, 
And then over the, like, since then we've, we've, uh, we've exchanged emails a, a number of times and I've followed, I think I started following you on Twitter and certainly following what, what you were doing at the, at the posting career and then followed you into, um, your, your, your current and, and, and next adventure in, in the food section. And so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's how I know Hannah, we we've, you, you called me a, a, you know, a number of times just to, to weigh in on food safety things. And I, and, and so, so Don, Hannah's here today for, for so a I couple just, of reasons. I, I have to, I have to, so, so I'm yeah, speaking of being following, following Hannah. So I've sent you a LinkedIn request and I've started following you on Twitter, but I have to read, I have to read from the, uh, the, the front page of the food section. Um, Substack because it's it's brilliant. Uh, it says covering food and drink across the American South as though it mattered as much as crime and politics because it does. So, well done, well done, Thank Hannah. You. And um, so Hannah wrote something that I read this morning that I think is absolutely fascinating that we should talk about um, as part of today. Um, about uh, the headline is when the drive-through is deadly and that 18 people mm. have been killed by cars and restaurants across the South since 2016, which kind of, Whoa. yeah, yeah, it kind of blew me away. Like it, see, I was, I was then, so, so when the, when the drive-through is deadly, um, uh, not, not a food safety story. Right, right. <laughs> no, yeah. but definitely a restaurant safety story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so Hannah, um, Hannah reached out to me uh, a few weeks ago and said that she wanted to, you know, connect with us, understand a little bit more about what we do on our podcast. Oh, cool. and I said, yeah, and I said, how about you could come be a guest on our podcast? Absolutely. And and her response, and I'll paraphrase a little bit, was like, yeah, okay, cool, but I really want to cover your podcast, not be on it. <laughs> yes. And I was like, that's not how this is going to work. <laughs> We're going to do both. Oh, good, a good, a good journalist does not become part of the story. Ben. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, um, what, I, what I learned this from watching the wire. <laughs> exactly. Um, one of the things that, um, you know, and I shared with Hannah this morning, we, we had a, a really nice breakfast and chatted for a while. And, um, you know, we, we have in the past had your numerous, what. Well, I shouldn't say numerous guests, a handful of guests, you know, th this podcast food safety talk is not, not really guest heavy, but we, when there's like something interesting, some perspective that we would like to know more about, I think we jump at the chance to do that. And so in the past, we've had someone who came on and talked about raw milk, famously in raw milk, Amsterdam. Um, Actually, and, I think that was a follow-up. Oh, that was a follow-up. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but recently we had, um, a couple of people come on, uh, who, we know from the internet or we knew it, you know, Don, I mentioned this to Hannah this morning that one, one of our, I think more recent and cool guests was um, uh, chef Matt, Matt Collins, who um, is a, a, a in-home chef. And uh, we, we spent an hour or so talking to Matt about his perspective as someone in the industry about food safety. And um, we had a really great conversation with our friend, Jess, about um, dumpster diving and freeganism and, and, and other things about the, the intersection between food safety and hunger and food waste. And, and so like Hannah, truthfully, I, I really took this advantage when you reached out to us to be like, we've never, we've never spoken with like a real food journalist about <laughs> food safety. Like, I mean, we, we were in this weird media space as podcasters, but I, I don't, I certainly don't, Don and I don't think of ourselves as, as, as journalists at all. Um, we, we just kind of come on and talk about things to ourselves. And, and so I'm, you know, 
I'm really interested to ask you questions about how you how you approach you know the world of food safety from from a journalist standpoint, from a critic standpoint, and then also from the stuff that you're doing um, now on on your Substack is from telling sort of I, I think longer form stories. Um, about this. So that's, you know, one of the reasons I jumped at this opportunity to bring you up today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's, as I said, you know, it's not um, commonplace for reporters to pay for access in any way, including with a podcast appearance. But, um, you know, I think we... we <laughs> oh, wait, share- so, but let's, let's be completely clear. We are not paying you and you are not paying us. No, 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 <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, this, this is not a monetary exchange. No. Yeah, but, um, yeah. but no, I, I think we both um, share an interest in kind of, you know, educating the public. Um, I know, you know, you do a ton of that. Um, and my role is often to be kind of the intermediary between the academia and the public. So it's, yeah, it's fun to be in the same room. Yeah. And, you know, and, and as Ben um, has obviously shared and, and, and as I will share too, like we, we, both of us talk a lot with, uh, with journalists and it's, it's honestly one of the most interesting parts of my job because I, I, I find always when, when talking with journalists, like they, they bring a different perspective and the good ones, you know, and there are lots of them out there. The good ones will really take the time with you and will ask like really good questions that are maybe questions that, that are not, I mean, you know, there's always the sort of the run of the mill, like, oh, we need to do something for Labor Day cookouts, right? And it's just the standard line. But the really interesting ones are are where it's a little bit, you know, kind of uh, off the. It's it's not a. It's not just a, a like a a one off, you know, standard food safety story. It's it's something that's a little bit interesting, or they're coming at it from a, a good, per, interesting perspective, and they ask questions that are like, oh yeah, I never thought of that. But here, let me tell you what I what I think because I do certainly have the, an opinion on that. So yeah, wow. it's it's uh it's this is great. It, yeah, and. Like Hannah, we didn't talk about this um, at all the this morning. But how did you get into this space? Like, wh- yeah, wh- why are, why are you why are you a food journalist? Yeah, so you know, I think I got really interested in food growing up, largely because it didn't play a big role in my home. Uh, neither of my parents were cooks, and so restaurants always kind of fascinated me. And so early on, like middle school age, I sent a letter to Jane and Michael Stern. It was like, have you figured out a plan for succession? Uh, thinking that the idea of like driving around the country and, you know, going to different places to eat would be kind of the, the way to go. And put that aside. But then uh, in undergrad, spent all my time at the college newspaper and kind of went down this journalism path um, and ended up right out of college. Um it was the economy was good. So this is probably the worst decision I've made professionally in my life. But I took a job at a little paper in Mississippi. Um, And so I was just doing journalism uh, in Mississippi and then in Arizona briefly. um, And then came back to or well, actually, so I was out in Arizona. Point of all this is that you don't make a whole lot of money as a reporter. So Mm. all the way through, I was working in restaurants as a server. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. So that's cool, really, but... yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. And I always tell people, if you want to be a food writer, and I know I'm not that at that point in my resume yet in the retelling, but best way to learn how to be a food writer is to be a server because you got to describe food if you're going to sell it. Huh. Um, so it, it, was, it was very helpful. Anyhow, this was all before the internet existed. And so being kind of young and egotistical, I decided that like my stories just weren't lasting long enough. Um, and so I, I went back to grad school for museum studies, uh, thinking like, I'll hang my stories on the wall and they'll hang there for years. Um, 
And it turns out there was nothing I really liked about museum work, but I, it was a double master's program. And so I was also got a master's in American history. And I wrote my thesis on the relationship between Jews and Chinese food. Oh, which, cool. Yeah, That's- right. So, and which is, you always know where someone lives or their background by their response to that, because it's either what Don just said, or it's like, <laughs> wait, there's a relationship. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> At the time, this was something nobody had really investigated. And the idea of Jewish Christmas, as they call it now, was not in the popular in popular culture mm-hmm. in any way. So it, 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 what I mean to say is I got to know folks in the food history and food studies space pretty early on. Um, but like I said, I wasn't much for museum work. So instead, I took a job in Asheville, North Carolina, leading mountain bike trips. Uh, and that, that's kind of what I was doing. And then the Alt Weekly in Asheville was looking for a food writer. And at that point, uh, you know, I had the journalism background. I had the restaurant background. I had the food history background. So I started at the Mountain Express uh, in Asheville in 04, I think. And oh, 06, a- according to LinkedIn. 06, okay. <laughs> Thank you. I think, <laughs> I think that's when they start paying me over the table. Uh, uh-huh. In any case, um, so yes, my LinkedIn bio is probably accurate. So 06, um, yeah. And so I've been doing it professionally since um, at the Post and Courier for most of the last 10 years. And as Ben said, left the paper um, because I got a grant from Substack to start doing my own thing. So I've been doing that for exactly one year. Very cool. So how is the, how is the, how is, how is, how is Substack for you? Are you enjoying it? Or are you, are you accomplishing what you want? Oh, that's a really good question. So the reason that I was persuaded to do it in addition to all the money, which is more than I'll ever see as a reporter, um, which only, as I said, lasted one year of grant support, um, is I was really, um, really became persuaded of the importance and power of food journalism during the pandemic. It was really important to me. I mean, you remember how how scared everybody was, you know, really terrified. Um, Restaurant patrons, restaurant workers, and employees in particular were calling me crying, you know, as you recall, you know, our restrictions dropped very, very early before anyone was vaccinated. And it was just really nice to know that these workers felt like someone was looking out for them. And I got really Mm. worried about people in places where they didn't have someone like that. So Mm. the idea of the Substack was to bring the kind of food journalism I was practicing to the entire Southeast, which is a big region to cover all at once. Um, But hoping to grow the the Substack as a media organization. Um, So we'll see how it goes. It's been... um, been very rewarding in some ways. It's also been incredibly challenging to become a small business owner. Uh, Substack, for folks who don't know, operates, it's a platform. And so, you know, your relationship with Substack is much like your relationship with Google if you use Gmail. You know, it's, they don't, it's, you're your own thing. Uh, And so, yeah, learning to be a a business owner is is definitely something new. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, uh, as as I will often share on the on the podcast, like I have a food safety consulting business, um, which is which is great, um, and, and I recommend that everybody, if they're going to start their own business, first they become a tenured university professor because it makes <laughs> the small business part much much easier. I, mean, I say that, that I got to tell you, I did not you know get my PhD or anything like that, but I swear to God, I think that's an easier route than just starting right out of the gate. So well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's not easy to become a tenured 
professor, but it's not, it's not, it seems like, yeah, it seems like trying to make your way in journalism these days is a lot, is a lot harder. And my, yeah. I will share my son uh, went to, both my kids went to Rutgers and my younger son majored in, uh, in journalism. And uh, he, he now um, puts all of those skills to good use, but working in state government, which is, a, you know, much more, I wouldn't say it's a lucrative career, but it's certainly much more stable and he can use all of his good uh, journalism skills, writing press releases and organizing events and, and, you know, basically helping to the uh, un, uh, unhomed in, in Colorado to, to get, to get, homes so it which is which is great i'm very i'm very proud of him and what he's been able to accomplish and not and and kind of kind of glad that he's not trying to make his way as a journalist because it seems like the journalism gig these days is 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 pretty pretty rough mm-hmm. for sure what um you know you you've been around the world of food journalism for for a while what's this is always like i i, I think a favorite question of ours with um, with gas, like, what's your view of, of the world of food safety? And, and again, knowing like, you know, a little bit about what we do, don't worry about how you like, what, what you think we want to hear on that. Cause I, I feel that we like Don and I have this bias around food safety cause we live it all the time, but like from the outside, what's the, what's your, what's your view on this? And I know that's like a really vague question, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, Gosh, when I think about food safety, and I know you, you said to kind of leave you and Don out of it, but I do know that the people that I've interacted with as a journalist, I tend to believe that there are a lot of good people trying to make good things happen. Um, you know, when I, obviously I deal primarily in South Carolina with, you know, Department of Health and um, yeah, so I think I, I feel like the world of food safety, again, from my journalistic perspective, appears well-intentioned. I'm obviously very aware of the conflicts that arise, but I, I, I have to believe that for the most part, things are regulated by people who are trying to do the right thing. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say too, like a lot of times uh, people will call us because they want us to lecture people and tell them what to do. And, and I'll say that Ben and I figured out pretty early on, on this podcast and just on our own, that we really don't like telling people what to do. And, and speaking for myself, I would much rather tell people what the risks are and let them make their own decisions. I mean, that was the whole, the genesis of the whole raw milk Amsterdam uh, episode of the podcast. Um, and again, you know, and I, we, we published some work a number of years ago on the five second rule. And I had my 15 minutes of fame with, you know, reporters calling me and I still get calls. And again, had one just the other day or an email and, you know, somebody saying, well, I know what you're going to tell people to do. It's like, really? No, let's talk about the five second rule. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you to never eat food off the floor. What I'm going to tell you is here are the things that I think about when I make a decision about what to do or, or what the science says. And then you can, you're free to make your own, uh, your own decisions. And so, but yeah, I think very often people look at us, Ben and I, as like people who are, you know, like, we're just, we're just, you know, uh, what's the expression? We're like, um, you know, we're just gonna, we're just gonna, tell people like, you know, bad things and these things will kill you and, you know, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's very much not our vibe, right? We're, we're much more interested in, yeah, I'm willing, you know, let, I mean, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you personally, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to eat raw oysters, number one, because I don't like them. And number two, because there is, there is some risk there, but have I, have I, I think I probably might've eaten a raw oyster. And certainly I've, I've talked about on the podcast before, like, I don't make a habit of eating 
steak tartare, but I did indeed uh, eat reindeer tartare when I was uh, offered it in Finland and it was, it was delicious and I didn't get sick. But again, it's not something that I would, I would necessarily eat myself all the time, but I'm not going to tell people what to do, you know? Right. I mean, you know, it's interesting you say that. I think the overlap is working as a critic. You know, I'm frequently asked, like, what is the best restaurant? As if there were such a thing. There's (laughs) science to that, right? Right. Um, But but it's also like, it's what you like. It's what you like. I mean, we're all making these decisions all the time. And, you know, when you talk about food, you are talking about balancing pleasure and pain. Uh, You know, I can tell you this is the best, you know, red wine on that shelf. And if you drink it all, you're going to feel really sick tomorrow. Like, (laughs) right. These are the two pillars of, of, you know, enjoying food and all that's associated with it. It, You know, when, when you and I, when you reached out to me for that mailbag, um, I thought that was a really like interesting question because I never really thought about it from a, you know, a food critics perspective, right? Like going to multiple businesses, eating lots and lots of food, you know, part of the the job that that I think about from the outside is, taking in the full experience, understanding what are all the dishes here? You know, sometimes the, you know, sometimes probably exposing yourself to a a wide variety of risks more than just what a a normal diner would experience and, or patron would experience in their, in their own, um, you know, one off um, uh, visit to, to a restaurant. And it was, I, I thought that was like, a very astute kind of question from a risk standpoint. And, you know, as you and I have talked today, like that's something that, that I, I find really interesting about what Don and I do is we're, we're all about like sometimes trying to calculate risk in our minds quickly before making a, um, a decision. Other times thinking about the, the risks that we might be exposing people to. And, in, in, you know, we talked about my home or the you know state fair where, where I've got to make a risk management decision. But it was mm-hmm. the first time I really thought about like, huh, the, your, your decision as a critic is different than mine as just a normal, like patron of a restaurant because yep. of, yeah, which was really, it was really fascinating to me that they asked that question. Yeah, it is really interesting. I mean, as a critic, you do see the tremendous amount of control, right? I mean, because you're out there working for your readers and you're sort of dependent on the restaurant. And so it is not, as a critic, it is not my job to not eat the raw oyster, right? I mean, that right. is my job to eat that. And, it, you know, I, almost every critic I know has had at some point what was most likely a foodborne illness uh, because we are eating and we don't have the information and we don't really have a way to gather the information. Uh, and so I think what I said initially is still true that it's not like one kind of restaurant is necessarily more dangerous than someone else's home kitchen, but we are in different settings every single day. And so in my personal experience, so there is, I had uh, what was, basically they assume it was some kind of foodborne illness that led to like two years of real serious, like Mm -hmm. really, really sick. Um, And this is so interesting. It's just kind of a glimpse into a critic's life. Nobody knows what I picked up or where I picked it up, which is often true, obviously, Mm -hmm. with the victims of a foodborne illness. But because in that week I had written about a raw milk producer and just slurp that back i had judged a country ham contest and it all coincided with a salmonella scare in eggs and i had been at a restaurant where i don't know if it was a korean restaurant but there was a very much uncooked egg that i consumed that week wow 
And Is that, that a typical week for you? <laughs> <laughs> so I will say, I we talked about this briefly. I have not had raw milk since. That's one that I feel like I can control and is not necessary as a food critic to be drinking raw milk. Uh, to me, that that so that's a risk I've I've chosen to avoid. Um, and I understand we talked about this this morning. I mean, there are ways to to make that safer. Uh, it, it that was a bad experience for me. So if that yeah. had anything to do with it. Um, I still eat country ham, although perhaps not in those quantities from, you know, unknown producers. Um, I don't, I, this is just, you know, the few, few decisions I feel comfortable making. I almost never eat raw beef. That, that one really scares me. Uh, you know, if it is really the specialty of the house, I'll try it. But again, not, we just have so little information as critics. Uh, that's when I try to steer clear of if I can. Man. So I'm, I'm yeah. wondering, so I, I was going to ask a bunch of questions, but yeah. I think you, you've, you've answered, I think a lot of them. Have you ever, have you ever, as a food critic, noticed something? Cause it's one thing if you just choose to eat raw oysters, right? Cause we know that's, that's risky, right? Yeah. But if you're in a restaurant where you're ordering chicken and you expect the chicken to be well done, um, but they cross contaminated or there's, you know, obviously mm -hmm. hygiene problems, you know, that's a, that's a different matter. And so what I'm wondering is, have you ever as a critic noticed that a restaurant was doing something that you didn't think was appropriate? Right. And then also um, have you ever called them out um, in, in the story you wrote? Yeah. And actually I thought Ben was going to say, this was the first time I contacted him. So I wonder if I had a, a lesser food safety expert at the time um, <laughs> when they, uh, when they, and not that, that Ben belongs to me, but you know, journalists are very <laughs> protective of their sources. Um, when neighbor, when neighborhood dining group open and they are best known for husk McCrady's, which is now closed, um, but there are husks all over the South now. Um, open Monero, which was a Mexican themed restaurant still under Jeff Schombrock's oversight in Charleston. Uh, it, you know, the big deal, we're doing just fantastic stuff, you know, I mean, you know, uh, pounding their masa, making his tortillas, all that was great. And the part which appeared to me not so great is they had these sort of Mexican style wooden tables. And it, when it was time to get the cutlery, you reached into the drawer under the table and there were just like 30 forks and you just reached in and took the ones you wanted. Uh -huh. and, and I thought, that can't be right. <laughs> that can't be right. Um, there is so little that we as critics are able to monitor. I mean, even with an open kitchen, um, who knows? You know, I mean, readers think, and I know you've dealt with the very same general public, you know, they need to have gloves. We know we won't go into gloves, but the point is there's so little that's visible to you. Um, and I'm not going to station myself in the kitchen for 16 hours and figure it all out. Right. Because right. um, as I said, reporters don't get paid a lot. Uh, but but a, a mound of silverware for anyone to put their hands on top of in any I was like, I don't think this is safe. I mean, this is safe. Right, right. Again, not a scientist, but this one seemed like, gosh, we know that hands are a problem. And I, and this is way before people carried around hand sanitizer with them right, or they right, even right. use it. So yeah, I called them out. I wrote a story saying like, is this a good practice? Um, and basically my story said, this is not a good practice. Um, and people were furious because, you know, Sean Brack is a hero in the culinary community. And, you know, God forbid you should question anything associated with a restaurant associated with Sean Brack. Um, but that just seemed like that just seemed too, you know, 
it, just too blatant to ignore. Yeah, and I, I would say from a risk perspective, it's not, it's it's definitely, and this is a good, this would be a good one for our other podcast, Risky or Not. It's definitely not a best practice, right? And certainly it would skeeve me out a little bit. And boy, yeah, if I if I encountered that and I was sort of committed to eating at the restaurant, um, my, my wife is really good about carrying hand sanitizer with her everywhere. I sometimes will have it with me, but I would for sure squirt some on my hands and then and then definitely go to town on on whatever fork that I chose to use. Um, and I wonder even too, that might not be in compliance with the food code, right? Right. But, but here but here's a third point. Um I, you know, if you were a restaurant critic reviewing that restaurant, that would be something I would want to know. I mean, whether you call them out or not, just, hey, this is an interesting thing. When you go to eat at this restaurant, um, you'll pick your fork out of a drawer that's underneath the table that other people may have touched. You know, I would like to know that going in again, at least to prepare the proverbial hand sanitizer. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and I mean, again, for we'll, we'll, we'll probably um, revisit this in, in Risky or Not. But I, I, you know, one thing and the listeners to this show and, and our other shows um, know about is I'm, I'm all about like focus on norovirus, right? And in that situation, I feel like have, not knowing about all the other hands that are touching it, that's risky to me. Like, like that, that I wouldn't want, um, I don't want someone's, you know, norovirus hands on my, on my fork tongs. Um, and, and so that, and, and then the potential for spreading that around that I'm not likely going to wash my hands again after I'm like uh, handling that, that utensil. So yeah, that, that's interesting. No, no, we don't go back that far. I just found the article. Yeah. I'm so yeah. glad you found it. Cause yeah. I mean, like that's almost 10 years old. I haven't seen that in a while. That's really interesting. Uh, oh yeah. So I called a local guy at NUSC. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a cool, I mean, that, that, so that, that's the kind of stuff that I think is really interesting about like the adjacency about what you do and what Don and I do, right? Like we're, we're all looking, yeah, we're, we're all kind of looking at this system and we've got these different viewpoints on it. And I, I think it's one thing that, that I, I really liked about what you said, Hannah, is your your responsibilities to the readers mm -hmm. right like people are coming to your to your columns to your substack to to glean some information that's going to help them with decision making and they're your they're not your like you know they're not your audience in mm -hmm. in the same way as that you've got you're 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 kind of accountable to do a good job for them because yeah. they're coming to you to yeah. to share information and that's really like I, that's unique to me. Like that's, that's kind of fascinating. Like, I yeah, don't, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, it really a huge part of my job is just helping people. I mean, I, 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 there are a lot of verbs I use for it, but like helping them appreciate their dining experience, helping to enhance the dining experience. We know how expensive it is to go to restaurants and want people to understand it and get the most out of it. So the reason I bring all this up is there are some kind of fundamental misunderstandings about food safety and some of which I referenced earlier, but you know, and I do feel like it's my job to correct those. Um, and I'm thinking mm -hmm. specifically of, so I wrote this little, this little tiny, tiny, like pamphlet sized book, or maybe a little bit bigger than that about helping people write Yelp reviews. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things I talked about, and I know this isn't new to y'all, but, you know, talked about never, never pin a foodborne illness on a restaurant. Like you have no idea. You have no idea. You know, I mean, 
Um, right. I so frequently no. hear readers saying like, I can't believe you gave that place a good review. You know, I, I was uh, vomiting all night. Okay. Well, what'd you have for breakfast? You know, I mean, people have no idea about incubation periods. Um, yep. So yep. that, that's the kind of thing in terms of it, people, as much as food has become hugely important to our lives. And I mean, restaurant food and restaurant going has become important to our lives. There is still an element of fear and anxiety around entrusting, you know, your life to the person in the kitchen. And I get it. Um, and so I want to alleviate that anxiety as much as I can. Not, you know, not unreasonably so. I'm not, I'm certainly not saying all restaurants are safe all the time, but I want people to know that, you know, just because you didn't feel well after a meal doesn't mean like there's something wrong with French cooking. Uh, it, it, <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's my role is on. Awesome. Yeah. 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 I, I just dropped a link um, into the, into the chat. Mm. Um, and this one, this is really interesting to me because you know, the, Yelp, Yelp review <laughs> was just going to ah. call out the same website. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so this is really interesting. So we, you know, full, I guess, full disclosure for our conversation. I know we've talked about this on, on this podcast um, in, in the past, but we, we know, we know the guy, we know Patrick Quaid who runs, I was poison.com. And it's, it's interesting for me because this, you know, the individual, like, and I'll, we'll just read from one right here. The first one that I see on my, um, on my, uh, uh, screen is Taco Bell, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Yesterday here, I think the seasoning of the meat, I had diarrhea, vomiting, morning after, stomach feels full of poison, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And that on its own doesn't like to, to exactly what you're saying doesn't matter. Like, like we don't know for sure that it was, that it was Taco Bell or, at all. And, and it, there's so many other places that, that could have led to, um, you know, these symptoms and it could, it might not even be food related. Um, but what I find really fascinating about the I was poisoned system, I guess, mm -hmm. is that um, the ability to collect multiple reports that are individuals and not have them kind of snowball where one person sees it and is like, oh, yeah, me too. But they're all coming in from kind of different, like different, cer certainly the same geographic area, but at different times. And they're not going right up on this and so so there's something there's something to it but there but there's a lot of um signal to noise issues mm -hmm. that that we you know and, and patrick and and don and i have talked about this over email a couple of times how how hard that that is to to deal with and and there you know um there's been he, patrick emailed us last week about every once in a while he'll he'll kind of you know send us a message saying i'm seeing a, an increase in reports related to an event, you know, the one he mm -hmm. said was a, a museum, I think uh, museum event in, um, in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like, there's a, there seems like there's a signal here. The individual reports on their own aren't the signal. It's the collection of the, of the reports. Yeah. And, and, and that's a really, like, I think it's, it puts regulators in a hard spot. It puts the industry, the, you know, the food, the culinary world, and just the food industry in a hard spot. But it took, I think for like, and as Don and I have talked about it, it is, this seems like it's another tool in our foodborne illness investigation, even though it's not a perfect tool. It's like part of scraping back some of the signals. And right. like, yeah, likewise, Yelp's being um, scraped yeah. for these, for these reports. And I, and I think that, I don't know if you're, um, if you saw this, it was a while ago now, maybe four or five years ago, like I think it was in New York, um, New York Department of Health and Chicago Board of Public Health, 
had both identified outbreaks that they had not seen from Yelp reports that were individual. And so it's really like, it's, yeah. it's a weird, it's, it's like, a it, yeah, it, it's a weird space, right? Like it's, yeah, they're, they're fraught with problems, but also maybe there's, maybe there's something useful. About yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I am extremely concerned, as I said, about foodborne illness, you know, I'm not saying that, that consumers or my audience shouldn't be, um, you know, but as you say, I mean, maybe the fact is like, if I hear from five people all complaining about illness, like, well, it's not the restaurant, they're all buying the lettuce from the same guy, you know, mm, it's like, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah, this, um, well, that's, that, yeah, that's really, anyway, that, that perspective is really, really interesting. How did you, um, I guess like maybe pull back the curtain a little bit on the journalist side of things. Cause I think some of our listeners, many of them probably have not interacted with any, any journalists, especially someone who's focused on food b- before, but you know, you talked about sort of like finding and cultivating sources. How do you, how do you do that? Like, how do you learn about a situation while you're in the midst of reporting on it? Like, what does that, what does that world look like to those on the outside? Oh boy. Um, I mean, it's, as Don said, you know, my slogan is like, I cover it like crime and government. It's the same thing. You know, I mean, you get to know everybody uh, up and down the ladder, you know, so I've, I mean, covering a local market, like in Charleston, you get to know the, you know, restaurant workers, you get to go restaurant managers, owners, all that. Uh, You get to know the farmers. I mean, that's really, Journalism is just about building relationships mm. and then finding the stories. So how did you how did you find Ben? <laughs> uh, well, he said in that email. I mean, I, 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 I yeah. think I tried to guilt trip him in the saying he okay. gave a quote to another uh, reporter. Uh, pretty so much. Yeah. Once you start talking to reporters, you're 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 on the hook forever. <laughs> and we like, I mean, Don and I have talked about this. You kind of find that right where if your name is in an article that's published and it's a it's a story that either has you know, regional or national interest, then all of a sudden there, you know, yeah. one, one quote, yeah. gets you become an expert. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. Which is really, um, it's, I don't know, like from, in you know, Don and I haven't really talked about this, but it's a, it's a weird spot to be in sometimes, you know, I, I didn't get into the academic world to, um, to be in, you know, journalist pieces. Um, but then certainly I've done a lot of that over the last like 15 years and I wouldn't have predicted that that was what I was going to be doing. And I kind I kind of see it as it's an important part of our job in talking about food safety to the public, because it's another great like venue to, to, you know, like either correct some misconceptions or talk about what might be happening. And, and I'll, I, I kind of lose track a little bit, but I might do somewhere in between 150 and 250 interviews a year, wow, like some, something like great. that. Thank you yeah. for that. Well, yeah, no, and I don't say yeah. that to like for, uh, no, for no, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a- so important. Like, I, I think I agree that I feel like sometimes the relationship between academics and journalists isn't thoroughly explored or like, because it's, it's so crucial. We can't do the kind of work y'all are doing, but it's, you know, our readers need to know about it. So it's, it's really important. Well, and for people like Ben and I, who our mission is is cooperative extension or outreach, I yeah. mean, I really see journalists as being a key vehicle how by how I can get out like good science based information. It's it's yeah. a critical. It's a for me. It's a critical part of uh, of doing that. Yeah, and and we yeah, and we're 
we're not we're not unique. I mean, there's a lot of our colleagues who are also um, pretty open to having these conversations, but there's a lot of our colleagues who are not right. Who, who are like, and and you know the I'm, I'm sure you'll you'll see the common thread of, of of this you know conversation from someone in academia, which is, well, I'm so concerned about what I'm going to say, and I'm you know I'm they're not going to get it right, or I'm going to be yep. misquoted. Yeah, and, I, I was yeah. I was misquoted once, therefore I never talked to journalists. It's like, right. well, yeah, right. dude, if, you, yeah. if you're you know you if you cannot win if you do not play the game, you it's a, it's it's a game, and you and you have to. I mean, it's serious, but but you have to you have to realize that, right? And and you know, and you're going to get misquoted, but you know what? You're also going to find some amazing journalists who are going to ask you really good questions, and you're going to help them to write an amazing story that's going to make a difference for people. Yeah. And I, and I've found, you know, so, so much, and, and I think it all, it all comes with just the like experience of it, but there are lots of times where the first question or what, where the conversation starts is not really where the, where the story even goes. Right. Right. Like, right. like, Absolutely. yeah, like it's okay. I'm calling you to ask you about this one thing. And I'm like taking the opportunity to say, yeah, that's, I mean, sure. That's, that's interesting. Here's here, you know, this is something that's probably not new or it's something we've known about, but the, you know, the thing that I think you should maybe be looking at or is this, and then that has the opportunity to shape that, that entire public discourse around, around it. Um, But it's, I don't know, it's a weird, it it is a weird relationship um, that that's out there. And I, I constantly think about like the, um, like almost famous as being one of the you know greatest <laughs> movies of all time where where it's like i just you know just make me look cool just yeah. want, like, that's yeah. it. <laughs> like, exactly. um but no no i mean it's it's such a um I, I i agree with don it's such an important place for us to be as academics to to engage in these conversations because in in many cases we do have information that that needs to get shared out there and we don't have the we don't have the venue to do it, and, and, and journalists, journalists like you do, do to to spread sort of this, um, you know, the, this info. Yeah, and I mean, I've already said that just to reemphasize you know, how important it is for us, since there is no other way for us to conduct this work, you know, and it's really refreshing to talk to academics who unlike politicians, you know, don't have, uh, you know, they're not trying to press just, you know, one platform or another, but are really looking at the issue of all sides, which is what we try and do. And I don't know if there are any of your listeners who are not yet, you know, forged a relationship with the media or with journalists, just to reiterate, we're, we're really trying to work together in all this. We're not scary. Um, you know, mm. you can always back away for a moment and say like, Hey, I want to, you know, go, uh, you know, on background for a second. I want to make sure I can check my quotes. Like, we're we're willing to work with you um, because we really just want to get the information out. That yeah, that's a really, I think that's a really key point. That yeah. um, I you know I think about my experience here at NC State. We have a really great news services group mm-hmm. with with a couple of people who have been on the journalist side of things and were writers somewhere and now have come over to to really help get you know NC State stories out. But they they often do a really good job with with exactly that. Like yeah. like being able to be like, no, no, it's it's totally cool. Just just you don't need to, there's no one's out there to get you. Right. Like it, it, it it's about they they want to talk to you about something that's interesting. 
that they think their readers are going to be interested in and they want to get it right. So yeah. let's, let's take time, the time and, to, to do that. And I was going to say, if we're out to get you and, I, and we're certainly, we're not out to get anyone, but if we're out yeah. to get important information for our audience, you will know long beforehand. <laughs> you know, when you have 20 of your colleagues be like, Hey, someone's been calling me about that. You know, your criminal record, you'll know if we're coming to get you. It's not, it's not going to be a friendly email. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's, it's not the one that's like, can you tell me about what the risks are of preparing food without gloves on? <laughs> right. right. Like, <laughs> like, whoa, whoa. That's not how we get you. No. The gotcha <laughs> question right there. Yeah. I, I do I do remember, and, I, and I'm, the details are fuzzy because it was a long time ago, about some reporters that once came to the department uh, because they wanted to do a story on some research that was going on. And I think it was some research that we were doing uh, with funding from Natick Labs, who are the people that research food for the military, but it was all uh, the whole idea. Like we, we, the and the the department chair at the time was completely sucked in, and you know, I was like, oh, my people are going to come and talk to me about my research, and it ended up being a piece that was like, look at what these idiots are doing, right? <laughs> like, can you believe that people are getting paid to study this stuff? And it was it was a terrible experience, but it's like, well, you know what? That's that's what happens sometimes, you know. But uh, yeah. again, most most journalists are not are not like that and and most of the time they just want to get uh they just want to do uh they just want to do a, a good story so uh, so i I've got, I've got a question for you hannah what's and it's so it sounds like nominally your reason for reaching out to ben most recently was about podcasts what tell me like are what what's your interest are, are you interested in podcasts in general what's your interest in in us specifically in other words let's let's talk less about you and more about us sure yeah of course <laughs> So as I said, um, so I now have um, this uh, weekly newsletter, twice weekly newsletter, uh, and the idea is, you know, to cover food and drink across the American South. And I just thought what Ben was doing was really interesting. Mm. And uh, I thought it would be a really good story to share with my readers. The idea that, you know, I think people think about food safety, but don't necessarily think about who's working at it or how. Um, so yeah, that was my interest. It wasn't as a, just, I mean, I think the podcast is just a great, you know, uh, uh, outreach tool. Um, right. But it, yeah, it was more about what's happening in the South in terms of, you know, food safety. Yeah, well, and Daniel Ben's the guy, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's a man. Yeah. Some days, some some days not, <laughs> not so much. Uh, but, and I, you know, I, I've been, I've been a fan of, I, you know, I think the world of Substack, I, I think, you know, not, not just what, what you're experiencing, Hannah, and in sort of the shift away from our, our traditional thought of like food writing and, um, you know, how, how these stories are getting, getting told. I, I find it really like I, I'm subscribing to a bunch of stuff so I can stay engaged in the types of things that are that are happening in a way that I used to be able to do that by like following the the food sections and in, in in our in our newspapers yeah. but but I'll I'll tell you as a reader I enjoy I enjoy what's happening like I don't like you know to Don's point I don't know how like how how sustainable it is from a like from an employment standpoint but I like the stories that I'm reading and I'm learning more from what's happening as people are sharing stories in lots of different ways um, than, than the traditional food, food sections where, yeah. where space was limited and nuance of, of a story had to fit a, like, I mean, just had to fit a certain time frame and it's, and, and this feel like there's a lot more creativity and there, there are better stories that are being, maybe not better stories, more yeah. complete stories. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, in my, in my, 
it, the part of being the business owner and getting to make my own decisions is, you know, one of the things I do is I pay for an editor, which I never had at the newspaper because that's how newspapers go. So, you know, I mean, we had a copy editor, um, but now I have a real editor. So I would say the work is better. Huh. Yeah. That's, you know, it, it, to me, yeah. it's always interesting too talking to different kind of journalists, right? If it's a, if it's a, a print journalist on deadline working on something that's in the news, right? Versus uh, somebody who's writing a magazine article, you know, or, or somebody writing a book or something it, it, it I, or, you know, it's a, it's a television station that wants to, wants you on camera, you know, and, and that and I'll remember all that, the conversations, Ben, that we were having with that one person from the news media, they never called me back uh, from the, that we're going to send a camera crew and wanted to right. film us on the set of our podcast. Yes. Um, anyway. Uh, so, but you know, and that's, and that's, that's fine. But I just, I, I find it fascinating to work with different, different kinds of journal. And well, and I did, I did one recently for, highlights magazine the magazine for kids and they wanted to do something on the five second rule and it was it was i mean and absolutely just first rate journalism so much effort going into a you know a magazine uh a magazine this read by kids but you know the 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 interview and then the fact checker and it was just i just i find i find journalism as a field you know to be just really to be to be fascinating and journalists to be some of the most interesting people uh just because they and again you're you focus on food but there are uh, there are journalists out there that are just like be journalists and they're just going to like whatever their editor tells them they're going to cover today well they're just going to go do that right and and uh, i I don't know. It's just, it seems like a, a, a fascinating way to make a living. And, and it, as somebody who writes for a living, but who does a very different kind of writing and someone who communicates for a living, but generally does a very different kind of communicating. It's uh yeah, it's, a, it's, I feel like we're kind of, um, you know, like allied spirits, but not, but, but, di- but different enough to find the other fascinating, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. What, and well, I know we mentioned it before, but we'll put a link, um, certainly to the food section in, um, in our, in our show notes. And I want to like call out again, and I'm a, I'm a subscriber. So, you know, full, full disclosure, some of the links that we'll put, um, you'll, you need to be a subscriber to get them. So to go do that. But the, one of the coolest things that I think you you've done and is the, um, I-95 exit by exit eating guide from Virginia to South Carolina. <laughs> I need to get this. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and so like I, I shared with Hannah the, you know, this morning that I, you know, I'd spent a lot of time driving up and down 95 for, you know, my kids hockey. And the, there, there are so many times where the, the easiest thing for us to do is like, okay, where's the next Chick-fil-A or Panera, which is the, the kids like that favorite, favorite thing. But the last couple of times, um, actually the last time that, that we went to, to Charleston this, this summer for a vacation, I was like, okay, we're not doing that. Let's stop somewhere else. And it was soon after you had published this. And so I ended up eating and I got to find the right spot. We ate at a barbecue place just off of 95, like South of Lumberton. Yeah. And, and it was like, man, this was awesome. And I wouldn't have, like, I wouldn't have, uh, risk trying to find something. That, that's, right? it. Right. that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. It's like, I know my readers want to find something, but their time is precious, you know? And so it's, they're not going to be able to go to a place, even though they like, you know, might show up on their phone. Like, Oh, that sounds interesting. You're not going to take the risk. So that was one of the yeah driving forces for the project. And it was, and it was perfect. Like it answered all of the things like distance from exit, 
point four right. miles. I mean, right. right? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to go like six and a half miles. Yep. Um, I, I need this. It's part of just on and off. Yep. And so, yeah, it was, I, I, th- it like this one dropped right at the exact time that I needed this information. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty sweet yeah. to, to be able to get it. But I think that that's the kind of stuff that, um, that the, you know, not to be too trite, but the internet is really good for yeah. like, th- this yeah. is something that didn't fit um, you know, the, the post courier, you know, format. Right. Um, and, and so, it, yeah, it was just, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that, that there's, um, there's a space for, for this and, and, and that it's like, and I, I you know, I want it, I want it to be sustainable. Cause I, I think that stuff like this is awesome. Thank and you. It, I really appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. And it, and it connects me to, you know, so in my role, I got, I got two things going on. I do a bunch of food safety things and as we've detailed over the last year on this podcast and share with Hannah, I, I now do administrative stuff. And, and in my, my department, we're focused on like food and food systems and nutrition education and food safety and human development and rural sociology and, and agricultural education. It's a whole bunch of stuff that's going on. But I, I feel like this keeps me like tied into the kind of conversations that are happening in the, in the area that we're trying to serve as, as a department. And I've I've like recently over the last couple of years, also gotten more connected to the culinary scene here in Raleigh through like a, um, a friend. Um, and I don't know if we've talked about this yet, Tom, but, um, I don't think so, but we, I have a, a friend here who, um, is a, is a chef who just, uh, um, joined us in our department a, a couple of years ago. Her name's Chidi Kumar. Um, she put on a, a really awesome, like, I, I should say also Chidi is also a subscriber to the food section. Oh, fantastic. Good, <laughs> good, good. good. Yeah, Chidi, friend Chidi, of the yeah, yeah. Chidi is like, so we, we've, we've found this, I, I think this new, new friendship over the last couple of years is she has reached out to help, you know, understand a little bit more about food safety regulations. I invited her to come to our international association for food protection annual meeting to present on a, on a panel about some of the challenges that the culinary world is facing. And especially someone like, like her with her experience where she's like a public face and, and what, where, where do we, how do we like better the relationship between food safety regulations, um, food, like food microbiologists like Don and I, and in, in the, the, that like culinary and food system world. And she was, I mean, she's a star. She's a, just an awesome person to, to hang out with, but she, like, she sat on, on this panel and, and had a really frank discussion about, you know, here are things to think about in, as a, you know, as, as a chef, and here's how, how, how you as a, as, as a food safety world can better interact. But the, I think the coolest part was that she hung out for the entire conference. Like she didn't just come in for her, her talk. Like she, we, there's a professional development group that's on retail food safety. And she came out, hung out and listened to that and walked around. Yeah, and- I saw her Instagram. I was like, Chidi, did you join? Like, yeah. <laughs> <she> was like- <laughs> it was, it was wild, but that's, so I feel like that's where we need to be in our world, right? Like yeah. we've got to make those, those connections in a more purposeful way where we're not like at odds with each other that, right. that, that we need, we need to just open this, this dialogue better. And, and it's all about like personality, right? Like it's yeah. the right people at the right time. 
Yeah, I mean, and I think one of the things we talked about a little bit this morning, too, is that also like boundaries are blurring. So, I mean, I think it is a good thing for everyone to get together. But I was thinking we were talking about TVB and being a restaurant chef. And I was thinking about my audience and it's not so clear now, like it's not necessarily who's the producer and who's the consumer. You know, I mean, we talked about like during the pandemic, a lot of people are like, I'm going to start baking cookies at home and selling them. Right. Or like whatever. And so it's really interesting when I talk about food safety with my audience, again, just like all the roles we play and how now there's overlap between them. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I want to keep everyone safe, but I'm also concerned about the person who's trying to make a buck, you know? And so, right. right? And so there are these conflicting and competing interests. They're really interesting, I think, for all of us to sort out. Yeah. And and it, I don't know, like you've, you've been around this world um, for a while. I, I have too. Do you think it's, do you think it's changing? Like, like, do you, do you think that that the blurring of the lines is making for a better more um i don't know like better relationships out there in this area is it yeah i I would think so i would think so ultimately yeah yeah but it's again it's very hard for me to parse in my position like what do i do when someone says like you know i'm opening an underground restaurant in my house right right and and don and i are like that is fascinating yeah we want to talk about it like we you know uh, like we're right there with that sort of um, messy and evolving system or, or the apps that are out there where it's like, Hey, I've got, um, you know, I baked like six yeah. dozen cookies and I'm only gonna eat a dozen of them. So I want to trade some of these for lasagna. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, this goes back to the plain of pain and pleasure principle and the risk and reward. Like, I actually don't know, like, is it more important? I mean, I guess what I have to do is do what y'all do, which is like, you do what you want to do. I'm just giving you the information. Um, but gosh, I would feel terrible if something happened, if I gave the information yeah. that, you know, someone's putting out, I want to, I want to, you know, uh, I, I want to encourage culinary creativity. That's really important. Giving my readers new experiences, really important. Giving my readers botulism, not as important, you know, it's like, <laughs> right, it's tricky. right. It's tricky. Well, and, and it's, and it's, and it's fascinating because of it's so different. Like when we had the conversation with uh, with Matt Collins, who uh, w- went to the Culinary Institute and worked as a chef in New York, and is now making his way um, as a as like a, a personal chef or, or like basically a freelance chef, um, and he he wanted to get approval from the health department, and they're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, really. Yeah, whatever. That's your answer. They don't really care. Okay, well, I mean, of course, and and Matt's a, a good a good guy, and he's a, pays attention to food safety, and you know, we've we've now connected over stuff and 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 share uh, you know share humorous stuff back and forth on on Twitter. But it's just like, okay, well, I guess uh, at least in well, he's operating in that part of the state. Uh, the health department doesn't really care, which is fascinating. <laughs> but that I think I think that's so interesting because I do think as restaurants. Um, continue to fall apart. Like, I think that home chef thing is going to become more and more important. And I don't really, I mean, obviously we've dealt with regulating home kitchens and, and, you know, cottage industry and all that, but like these people who are just going into a random home, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to play out. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is for sure. It, it is very, you know, in terms of like food, we are in a, and we're in sort of a lot of things. We're in a very a time of great change, but, but I mean, food is just integral to that. And we saw that with the pandemic. And as I've said before, and I'll keep saying it, cause I think it makes a lot of sense, like things that were happening already 
have just been catalyzed by the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so food delivery services has, has morphed, and and again, these entrepreneurial chefs and things, you know, was that was morphed uh, the ability to do stuff virtually, independent of food, right? Just the the fact that we can all sit here on Zoom and we're all very comfortable with Zoom, and we've been using Zoom to do our jobs for like it seems like forever, um, even though it hasn't been forever, is you know, it's I don't know, it's just it's a very interesting time to to be alive, and I think especially especially to be in the food space, you know, food space writ large, right? All the way from, you know, uh, major food processing companies and, and, and global yeah. trade all the way down to the level of the person down the street that just wants to sell her cookies on the internet. Right. So, I, you know, I want to I ask a little bit more, Hannah, about your, you know, your experiences and, and really get, you know, get, get to know you a little bit better. And I, I know the the, the question of like, what's the best restaurant out there? That that's not the question I'm going to ask. Um, but what the, I guess thinking about your, your experiences, what are your, what are your favorite experiences that you've had as a, a critic and, and journalist like out there in, you know, in the world, these memorable, memorable times, good or bad, you know, well, let's yeah. focus on the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> focus on the good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, boy. I mean, I am so lucky to do the work I do. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like whenever I have an opportunity to have a day off, it's like, wait, but what I would do for my vacation, I do on a daily basis. You know, I mean, going out and exploring and meeting new people and eating new things, like it's kind of great. Um, which is to say my memory is terrible. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. Um, except to say that, as you said, like, the 95 guide, I can just elaborate a little bit to say, you know, the process of that is it's pretty, it's elaborate. Like I had to eat at a lot of places. Mm. Um, and I love that, you know, I mean, I love eating at places that you're not going to find, like you're it, nowhere else. They're not in any like newspaper or magazine or Instagram. I none of these places have social media accounts, not none, but many, you know, um, and that's the most satisfying thing. I mean, one, because the food is great. Two, because what was really important to me is that it's reflective of the region that you're traveling through, which when you're on 95, you can be so unaware of. Um, So that's so in line with what I try to do. Uh, And I already talked about, you know, enhancing people's trips and experiences. Um, And yeah, I mean, I, I guess... I, there should there be a three because there was a one and a two, but like that, <laughs> that's, kind, that's kind of the, that's the best feeling is knowing like I'm doing something that's actually going to be serviceable, both for the people who are eating at these places and the people who are trying to sell this food. So, I mean, that's just one example, but th- that's the best when you find a place and you realize like, this is going to make the lives of diners better. And this is going to be good for the business, the win, win, win. Uh, it, those are the best experiences. Oh, that's so, all, yeah. Well, let me let me ask a follow up question. So, like, what what are your turnoffs, right? What are the things that when you walk into a restaurant, it just makes you grit your teeth, or just makes you like think, oh, this is this the rest of this is not going to go well? Like, what are, what are the things like that for you? Um, well, I would say, I, I don't know if this counts from a food safety perspective, but of course I'm in that mindset since I'm on this podcast, but I am so turned off when restaurants allow dogs. It's like, <laughs> I really don't like that. <laughs> so that's a turnoff. Uh, I think other, I mean, other turnoffs when you walk into a restaurant is when you're ignored. I mean, that's the immediate mm, thing, right? If you're just yeah. Left, yeah. Left up front. Uh, what else? I'm trying to think what else would be immediate turnoffs. I just wrote recently about how important it is. I think a restaurant has a coat hook. 
really hate like at a, at a good point my husband's like he just wants to leave if they don't have a coat hook. So I'll spend the entire meal being like, wow. and they don't have a coat hook. I have this whole thing about like the idea of a restaurant is like refuge from the real world and all the things that your coat protects you from. Like you're supposed to be able to throw that off and just immerse yourself in the experience. I, I cannot stand it when they leave you with your coat. So review oh, wow. a restaurant badly for that you just asked about turn off so that's you know yeah no fascinating no i love it i love it what um who are you reading like who are some of the who are some of the writers that you're that, you know that, that you're... I, yeah so let's see i mean do you mean living or dead like uh, let's not even make it about food right yeah what, what are you reading yeah, yeah. full stop uh what am i reading? i just read a fascinating history of national geographic magazine just finished it uh that was really really interesting in part because starting a magazine in the late 1800s is not so different from starting a Substack in 2021 uh so that was really interesting. Uh, so I just finished that and I just started Casey Parks' brand new memoir um, about growing up queer in the South. Uh, so that's what I'm reading. Oh, and in between that, I have the slimmest of books that I'm reading called, I believe, A Trip Through the Pack or something like this. It's published in the UK in like the 1940s or 50s. And it's a book I heard mentioned on another podcast about bridge. Uh, I took a bridge during the pandemic. And this is a little sort of fantasy book where each card in the deck talks about its importance. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what I'm reading. Oh, that's super yeah. cool. Yeah. So uh, as for food writers um, in the dead category, Eugene Walter is my all time hero of Southern food writing. Um, he ultimately did the Time Life books on Southern food, but has a couple of memoirs, which are great. Um, and in the living category, I really enjoy reading Brett Martin. Um, he writes for GQ. He's been doing primarily features. I don't think he's done a review since, um, since the pandemic. Although I should say in the review space, my friend John Kessler has a new review out of Alinea in Chicago Magazine, which is fantastic reading. Awesome. Good. All right. New, I just got like uh, a bunch of okay. <laughs> new, new folks to add to my, to my list. This cool. is, yeah, this is, this is super cool. Um, what, what do you think, what's the, you know, cause it's a food safety podcast. So we got to ask food safety questions. Yeah. What do you think the riskiest food you've ever eaten is oh. as part of your, as part of your, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, and so the little that I know, you know, it's like, you know, you just know enough to be dangerous, but the little I know about food safety, I always made a point of never going to the company potluck. Like that was like all week long in the newsroom. They'd be like, so nervous to see what Hannah thinks about my whatever, whatever. I was like, oh, that'll be good. And I always, always made sure I had an assignment and never went. I just remember it was like a hundred yards of this food at like various temperatures. Uh, I, I would never, ever go. So uh, I so had I been there, I feel like that would have counted as the riskiest. Uh no idea where all those foods come from. Uh, foods I've actually eaten. Like I said, I always get nervous about raw beef. Always. Uh, not that I've had a bad experience I know of. Um, gosh, a risky food. Huh. What should I be thinking? Is there like an answer? Like, should, I, should I say like? No, I don't know. There's no, or say no like right something that's answers. really risky and, and I was dumb enough to eat it. No, not at all. Like I'm, I'm always, and it's more of asking the question just to get a sense like what, 
you know, because Don and I do this other podcast, Risky Note, yeah. that I know you're fam- you know, familiar with, where it's like, I always wonder, like, I know what Don thinks is risky and I don't know what I think is risky, but I don't know what anybody else does. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't, so I'm always, I, yeah, no, there's no, there's certainly no right or wrong answer. Yeah, I should say, I, you know what, I, I, uh, you know, what I should say, I should, to, to be very candid, I'm not very food risky. Like, I'll take risks in life. Yeah. Um, but as I said at the outset, growing up, like my, my parents weren't really cooks. And I feel like food just got old a lot to the point that now I am like pathologically afraid of old food. So there it like I shop for the day. There's nothing in my refrigerator. Um it, it's like I, I don't take food risks. I went on this uh chanterelle hunting expedition when I was working in Seattle. I was out in the you know beautiful forests of the Pacific Northwest. I mean, just fantastic experience i mean chanterelles like people i think dream of and i threw them all away like oh. i am i am so yep i am terrified of, of foraging uh it may not be right but no, for whatever reason, no no that's yeah. fantastic like that's yeah. yeah that's an awesome answer yeah yep yeah. um so i in in like real-time follow-up i said that I, we stopped at a barbecue restaurant it was not we stopped at a barbecue when I was looking at 95. We we ate at um, Burrito Loco in Oh, I'm 17. so glad they yeah. did good because I couldn't put it together when you said barbecue. Yeah. Oh, oh, I just love that little spot. That's it, so great. Yeah. And so I remember like we did two things. We stopped there and then we stopped again on the way back in Dillon at another, like that inspired us to go a little further off. And we start, stopped somewhere in Dillon at a barbecue place and I can't find what it was, but it was oh, a little further off of the highway. Like it was like a mile and a half. That's so um, awesome because I know, yeah. I mean, I don't need to tell y'all as teachers, but like, that's the best. Like when you have people like go and do it on their own. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. that's the best. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure I got it right. Cause I was looking at the thing. I was like, there's no, that's where was it? And it was like, Oh yeah. We eat burritos. Right. So, and there were, and that was, it was, it was fast. Awesome. Fast. Or so fantastic. Um, so, um, one thing like, you know, the, that, that I, you know, what Don and I do a little bit on, on food safety talk is we talk about some stuff that's going on in the world of food safety. And so there's a couple of things that I wanted to hit on today and you know you're you're sitting in here, so please please add your um, your thoughts on this, Hannah, because we'll yeah we'll we'll jump into to some of our our content here. But um, Don, did you see? I I put a couple of things into our um, uh, into our uh, Dropbox, but did you see this um, FSIS public health alert for ground beef and HelloFresh? I did uh, not. Or, or 0157 in, in ground beef that I did not. Style. I did not. Tell me more. Okay. So let me let me give you the, the link here. Uh this happened over the weekend. Um, and of course, uh, this is the magic of a podcast where we where two white guys talk about things they found on the internet. <laughs> um and uh here is a link so you can all see what I'm talking about dropped into um the zoom chat so um this one's really interesting to me for a couple of reasons so it's a um you know i'll I'll read from the announcement and fsis does a really good job on being pretty careful in what they write so public health alert due to concerns the ground beef products and HelloFresh meal kits may be associated with a 157h7 a recall was not requested because the products are no longer available for purchase and i want to come back to that um, Don, because that's one of our favorite things to talk about. Um, the meal kits 
uh, were uh, made and shipped back in July, July 2nd to uh, 21st. And um, it says it was in a little plastic vacuum pack that said ground beef on it. Um, it has an established number on it. So I will, you know, the, in the magic of the internet, we're going to find out more about that establishment in a, in a minute. Um, but the most, I, I think, interesting part of this for me is this isn't um, because there were, it was, you know, a testing issue, but it appears that there were some illnesses, traceback information um, that CDC is, is looking at, identified multiple case patients received ground beef products produced at this establishment and distributed by HelloFresh meal kits from in this period, from July 2nd to 21st. Um, and that's all, all we got. I don't, there's not, not a lot of information about how many people where any, anything like that, but this, we, you know, we, and Hannah, for your, I guess, for your information, Don and I like to talk about meal kits. We've talked about a lot. In fact, we had a, we had a really nice conversation with someone from a meal kit company recently. Uh, yeah. Just about not, not here on our podcast on a podcast that we didn't record. Um, no, just a zoom, zoom call, but based on some comments that we made, um, in, I think it was in the Los Angeles times about a month ago about meal kits being a little bit like, we don't know just by looking at the meal kit, who's regulating what. And, mm -hmm. and so anyway, this, this came up and it was kind of a bit of a follow-up from, from us, but it's, there's not a lot of like, we we've been following the world of meal kits for a while. This is the first outbreak that I can remember being linked to um, a meal kit. At well, least and I, 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 I still, I still remember that session at IAFP where um, we were talking about, I guess this was after the conference for food protection report had come out, or it was maybe, I, I forget the exact timing of it, but I still remember Craig Hedberg getting up and, and, you know, and Craig, uh, in case you don't know, Hannah is, he is a public health epidemiologist, uh, spent a fair bit of his career working for Minnesota department health, uh, department of health. And now he's an academic at, uh, um, university of Minnesota and is very active in, you know, just sort of public health stuff in general. And he made the point, like these companies really need to have be collecting information and they need to they need to be able to share it in the event of an outbreak and this may be ben i'm not sure this may be the first outbreak um that's been linked to meal kits as far as i know i mean certainly it won't be the last and it's not surprising that there is but yeah really uh interesting uh, interesting I, yeah i mean i think it is the first one um that i that i have remember seeing and it's um you know, this one, so, so I, I did a little digging as well. Um, just, you know, I, I'm always interested with, okay, so it says establishment 46841. That's the mark of inspection. Well, that is, um, and again, the magic of, of the internet. Um, it, uh, it, it is Lakeside Refrigerated Services. Um, so Lakeside Beef, which is a pretty big um, producer. Don, um, do you know where they're, they're located? Uh, I do not. Well, you're going to, you're going to find out because you might, might take your, you know, take your car over to uh, Swedesboro, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Sure. Um, yeah. They're uh, so they, they, the same establishment uh, beef packer had uh, or processor had um, a recall back a couple of years ago for E. coli mm -hmm. one five seven eight seven as well. Um this is uh, that one. This is the only thing that I could find on this, but they, there were no illnesses linked, linked to this. 
um, back then, but it, but they, they recalled uh, 42,000 pounds of ground beef, which is, seems like a lot of ground beef. And they and also, I'm finding um, April 2022, uh, a recall for E. coli O103. Ooh, I didn't see that so, one. Uh, yeah. So, so well, hey. I, so we're, since we're talking meal kits and we, and we have Hannah here, Hannah, do you, uh, I mean, obviously you're focused, I think more on the restaurant side of things, but what's your opinion on, on meal kits? Do you, have you ever used them? What do you think about? I have not used them. As I said, so prior to the pandemic, I was eating out six nights a week. And so right. there just wasn't any sort of home cooking. Um, and post pandemic, I'm working from home. So I have plenty of time to, you know, cook from scratch. <laughs> uh, so, but I think meal kits are terrific. I mean, for what I know, look, I'm not saying that I don't know their E. coli situation, but yeah. the idea that they're, you know, <laughs> Bringing people into the kitchen, I think they've been really helpful for people with nutritional concerns who are trying to, you know, control intake in one way or another. Don't work for everyone, but it, it seems to me that it's a, a terrific format. Yeah, um, I and I, I think to to add on to your comments, Hannah, I think we're only going to see more of these. Like, yeah. and, and that was, you know, the conversation that we had uh, or that I had with the. Um, uh, with, uh, Lauren Nelson from the Los Angeles times is about like, you know, how a meal kit, I'll put that in like Richard finger air quotes that it, it doesn't it, like, there's so many different definitions of it. Like I, I can go to, um, you know, Publix here in, in Raleigh and there's meal kits that are available. I can get them delivered to my house. And, and it's, that's a different type of meal kit than the meal kits that, that I could get from HelloFresh or blue apron, um, or daily harvest and trying to navigate from even from a food safety standpoint, who's like regulating what and why that might matter um, is is really it, it, it's messy. Um, one yeah. of the things that this this release, one of the things it raises for me, which is not the most critical thing by any stretch. I had no idea if people were freezing their meal kits. Like that's yeah. really interesting to me in terms of consumer behavior. I assume they were for instant gratification. Well, and and so I was a meal kit subscriber for for a while pre-pandemic. And there were certainly a number of times where we would get five days into the meal kit cycle and we had not made the meal kit and be like, okay, throw that in the freezer because it's not gonna, you know, it's not mm. gonna last. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll we'll take the things that we can freeze, you know, maybe there's like something like slaw that was going to come on the side. Well, it's all right. I can buy it some cabbage and, and, and use the same spices and right. the same vinaigrette with that. Um, but yeah, there's like this whole other sub world of meal kit, like hacking too, where, where, yeah, where you like get the, you get the meal kit and you throw out the recipe and then you see what you can make with what's in the meal kit. Mm. Um, and, and so there's like, I, which I had no you know idea about until getting into like a bunch of reddit threads about it um and so it's really yeah the you know 95 probably goes the way that the meal kit company wants but there's this five percent of like oh people are gonna handle it in a, in a totally different way interesting yeah hey, uh, hey ben i just want to give you a heads up that i do have a hard out at one me too so we're okay. yeah we're we're good to go um in a in a minute or two um so the only other thing that I had, I don't know, Don, if you want to talk about this or if we want to leave it for another time, is that 
and, and Hannah, this one's way inside baseball and <laughs> safety, but FDA is, is going to go and, and try to find a lot of E. coli in the Salinas Valley in Romaine and leafy greens. And, and the, I think this is making people nervous in the world of leafy greens and academia. And so, uh, yeah, what, what are your, what are your thoughts, Don? And actually, I do have a question for Hannah about this once we once we get through the intro of it. Well, let's 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 just pass it right to Hannah because um, the the hard stop that I have at one o'clock um, is actually to talk about risk assessment for um, leafy greens, and so I'm we're working we're working on it. And yeah, I, I talk with those folks on a regular basis, and uh, yeah, it's um you know it's no no nobody's happy, Ben. Nobody's happy. <laughs> yeah. So. Hannah, as someone who's like not right in the food safety world, yeah, is there anything that I just said that you're like, oh yeah, I know about that, or I'm not, or is this totally like random? And I, yeah. I just said, you know, uh, that's really that's a really interesting question because I was going to turn it back to you on the meal kit and be like, you know, if I called you as a reporter, what would you tell me to tell my reader about how much concern they have here? So to interpret your world. Um, I know that, that leafy greens are problematic. <laughs> I know that the Salinas Valley is where many are grown. That's, that's about all I could connect there to. There you go. Yeah, that. you did it. Yeah. You're a food safety expert. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> that's about as much as we know. Yeah. And, well, and, and that's kind of like what, what FDA announced was, hey, we're going to go out there and, and collect a whole bunch of samples to try and learn more. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, you know, maybe predictably, uh, and I'll guest on because I have not been talking mm -hmm. with anybody in the leafy greens industry, but I think that the leafy greens industry is pretty nervous about it because the, even though, you know, the way that, that this is written, um, you know, food, FDA has announced a targeted sampling um, and uh, this targeted sampling is, is really for information purposes, but also if they find it, it's going to be a, it's going to have a regulatory um, response as well. And, and we've had, I mean, numerous leafy greens outbreaks that have been linked to Salinas Valley, as well as Yuma, um, the, the Yuma region in, um, in, in Arizona that, that borders California or very close to, to Southern California. Um, and so I, I think people are pretty nervous about it, right? Like all of a sudden FDA is going to be here looking for stuff and FDA, yeah. I think wants to learn more about it. And the industry is is worried that it's going to, you know, shut down the industry. Is that kind of capture it, Don? I, I think that I think that's a, I think that's a reasonable assessment. And again, and FDA, this is this is something that, you know, we see all the time. FDA does a sampling assignment, and the industry that's being sampled is very nervous. We went through this a, a while back with viruses in frozen berries, right? And and they they and they you know the agency is trying to do their job. They're trying to protect public health. Um, they're trying to not cause huge disruptions, right? Because, you know, they don't, they, they want to do it in a way that help. Like ultimately the industry wants to do a better job. I think whether it's frozen berries or whether it's leafy greens, um, but they also, you know, there, there might be ways that FDA could do it that would be less disruptive to their business and would still learn just as much in terms of food safety, but it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a challenging it's a challenging world. It, things like this makes me like really kind of happy that um, I'm I'm an academic and I can sort of sit uh, on the sidelines or to be involved to the extent 
you know, possible, but, but boy, you know, the, the, the FDA does not like the industry sometimes and the industry does not like the FDA sometimes. And uh, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm a straight shooter, Ben. Well, <laughs> I want to be respected by both sides. <laughs> to talk about, to talk about the people between industry and government. I mean, where my mind goes first hmm. as a food journalist is when I mean, we talk about cultural implications and unfounded fears, when you say Salinas Valley, when you say Yuma, we know who's working in these fields, you know, and it doesn't, right. And, and there's just such uh, there's such possibility of, you know, of bigotry and hate that arises, you know, fairly or unfairly uh, from some of these investigations. So that's where I get concerned as, a, as or at least interested as a food journalist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, and this this assignment, I just send you both another link mm-hmm. sort of follows up to last year. There was a similar assignment instead of what, what are they going to do this one? 300 and 240 samples. Last year they did 500 samples, and um, t- less than one percent had um, a, mm-hmm. you know chicken toxin producing pathogen on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's you know still you know still one percent like it wasn't zero. Yep. Um, and and so there you know I think I, I think FDA is is concerned about it, but but you're you, you know Hannah you're 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 totally right. Like there's if, I, if I've learned like, I guess anything around food safety is that the, the microbes matter, but it's not in a vacuum, right? Like they, the, it's, it's about the people, it's about the businesses, it's about the regulators. Um, all, there's all these implications, um, anytime that there's an outbreak or, or something right. negative that, that comes out of, uh, um, like a sampling assignment like this. Exactly. Yeah. Know? Yeah. People's beliefs are just it, it's probably stronger than any bacteria. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, I think that's the fun part about food is, you know, that, that emotional tie that it's not, you know, just, you know, uh, it's not binary of like good and bad, um, that, that people get really connected to this. Yeah, we, we have, we have to eat and, you know, I'm lettuce is part of a healthy diet. Right. So, yep. (laughs) But, but, uh, getting E. coli is not so healthy. So, yeah. Well, I think, I think that's a show, uh, Don, what do you, what do yes. you think? Well, so Hannah, I mean, just thank you so much for playing along with oh our my gosh, silly game. For having me on. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're super happy to, to have, you know, uh, have someone who's, who's providing like just insight from a world that we don't, we don't know a lot about. And it's just been a great conversation for you to be here uh, with us today. It's been awesome. So I'll put a, a plug-in um, at the end here for uh, the food section. You can find Hannah's uh, Substack on Substack at the food section. I think you can just probably Google Hannah Raskin yeah. in the food section to find it. Yeah, th- Google me. I'm all over social media. Easy to find. Yeah, and I think it's at thefoodsection.substack.com. And we, we and I we will we'll link to it. I've already got it in the yeah. in the notes. So perfect. Right. Awesome. All right. Well, this is, uh, Hannah, this is how we, we awkwardly sign off. We don't have like a way to really eject. So usually I just say like, um, bye. And then Don says bye. So bye. And, and bye. And, bye. and then, yeah. Okay. <laughs> bye everybody. Bye. Bye.
Cool. Um, awesome. So Hannah's down the hall from me because she's here physically. So I, I wondered through. if that might be the yep. case. Yeah. Yeah. Do you um do you have time? Like just quick couple minutes yeah, to absolutely. schedule. Okay, cool. Yep. How does um oh that week, the week of the 26th is um a bit messy because I'm gonna see you in person in Akron. Mm, oh yes for gojo but what about the 26th itself do you have availability uh well i have uh, this food kobe net leadership thing in the morning yep um, I, and i have a defense in the afternoon do you want to do like 11 to 1 will that work again uh or yes that, will that yes, okay. that'll work yep all right let's do that 11 1 food safety talk i'm good to go that was quick good stuff um awesome cool all right we'll go 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 talk to the leafy green people thanks all right i'll talk to you later bye bye